Jane Ryan, and this is Rewired from Marina, a show exploring the future of energy in Australia. This season, we're looking at technologies set to change how we create and use power. The manufacturing industry has historically been one of the biggest consumers of energy. And in our final episode for this season, we're exploring how industry can transition from cheap fossil fuels to clean, green renewables. Making the transition to renewable energy may seem like a daunting task for many industries. But some companies in Australia have already taken their first steps in that process, proving it's possible to move traditional processes across to renewables and still make money. Basically every day we receive an 80 cubic metre load of, of wood chips uh, or fuel, biomass, and that is stored in a purpose-built storage facility that's all part of the project that Arena helped us with. This is Bob Mack Smith, director of MSM Milling, a canola oil and stock feed manufacturer in the small town of Manildra in New South Wales. In 2019, MSM Milling commissioned a $5.38 million project in conjunction with a $2 million grant from Arena to install a new boiler fuelled entirely with biomass. Biomass is organic material used to create energy, or bioenergy. MSM Milling uses timber waste, like wood chips, offcuts and sawmill byproducts, which are all sourced locally. So the biomass we use is, you know, um, silvicultural thinnings from these state forest-managed forest resources. It's also sawdust and wood chips, or sawdust and bark, and you know, offcuts from from sawmills. So um, that's the that's the raw material that we use. That gets delivered to our plant by big volume semi-trailers. Um, we've got about 800 cubic metres of storage capacity there, which is a bit over 200 tonnes, 240 odd tonnes, somewhere about there. And the storage facility was designed to allow plenty of air movement through there and big trucks to be able to um, access it easily and tip inside the building and so on. So we've got quite an innovative fuel recovery system to move that material fully automated from the fuel store, storage area, to the boiler or to the furnace of the boiler. So we have what's called a top loader system and that top loader is fully automated, it drags the wood chips from the, off the top of the pile and it deposits the wood chips into a chain conveyor and that chain conveyor then feeds the fuel into the boiler or into the furnace of the boiler. Um, and so as the plant requires steam, you get a slight drop in pressure that then signifies that the boiler needs more fuel. That then starts up the conveying system and that and the conveying system then starts the, the top loader. So the whole thing is fully automated and to be honest, it's highly efficient and it's been a terrific success, the whole thing. Before this new boiler was installed, MSM Milling was using three LPG boilers and its thermal energy usage was a significant portion of their overall expenses. This led the company to source a cheaper fuel alternative, but one that also had environmental benefits. After the cost of the seed, which is the raw material, and labour, energy is our next biggest expense. And um, we're talking, you know, some millions of dollars a year we spend on energy every year. And um, in terms of the thermal energy requirement, 
It's around about 70,000 gigajoules annually. Our electrical energy is substantially more than that. Um, and that's, you know, increasingly something that we're trying to manage and deal with as well. But the, um, the thermal energy requirement, we had historically been consuming LP gas or butane, depending on prices and supply chains and what have you. The reality of that is that, uh, you know, it's all transported in by truck, and that, that's an expensive exercise coming from a long way, but over a period of time, that became extremely expensive. And in fact, by the end of 2013, I think it was early 2014, um, you know, we were paying over $30 a gigajoule for the energy that we were buying in as propane or butane, and that simply was simply was un- untenable. And so that really was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of looking to a you know a viable alternative for um for the propane and butane that uh, that we needed or that we had been using up to that point in time. And since the switch to biomass, Bob says his company has been enjoying the benefits. We've switched you know the consumption from buying hundreds and hundreds of tons of gas to to wood chips, and so the savings there you know has been a sixty or seventy percent reduction in our thermal energy costs. And that really, from the moment we started using the boiler, uh, the new boiler, those savings have been apparent. Um, I guess the other really interesting part of this is that it's been a been such a so well received by our customers, and there's been so much interest in the whole project. You know, apart from the financial considerations, it's been a really good project to be involved with because it's been so positive received by so many people that we're you know in contact with. You know, our customers and suppliers and and the, you know, the local community as well. Another company experimenting with bioenergy is Southern Oil. So in our context, when we use the term renewable fuels, we're talking more about what other people call Gen 2 biofuels. This is Ben Tabolo, the general manager of SynBio, which is part of Southern Oil. Now, Gen 2 biofuels are fuels that are made to be indistinguishable from current fossil fuels. Um, from a molecular level, they're exactly the same. From a use level in an engine, they're exactly the same. They will go into a diesel engine either with fossil diesel or without, and your engines won't know the difference. We go a little bit further than just bio-based fuels, and we look at it as a more holistic approach with renewable fuels encompassing um, non-recyclable materials as well, whether it's non-recyclable plastic, non-recyclable tyre, basically the, the entire swath of waste that people generate being a feedstock and not just the biologicals um, themselves. With support from Arena, Southern Oil is turning waste products into crude oil. That oil can then be used to make diesel or even turned into jet fuel. I mean, if, if we think about where the crude-based products come from, they originally came from biological source anyway. They then get liquefied into a crude, um, pumped out of the ground and refined into a finished product that we know. The process we're undertaking is almost identical. It's just not done underground. It doesn't take millions of years. So the uh, biomass or the renewable feedstock is taken in. It is liquefied into a crude oil. Um, That crude oil gets refined just like a normal crude oil will with a couple of tweaks on the refining process because it obviously is slightly different and then goes into an engine just like normal fuels would. What all this means is we suddenly have a use for all the waste being generated by humans. 
That waste could now be directed to a refining plant and reused rather than going to landfill or sewerage, which has huge environmental benefits. So you may be wondering, which waste products are best for this process? Any biological feedstock works. The biggest things that affect the cost of refinement are the amount of oxygen in the feedstock. So the good thing about metro waste biological feedstocks, it tends to have a bit of other stuff mixed in it that make that refining process just a little bit easier. So we classify kind of two types of feedstocks, one that's mainly found in metro regions, one that's mainly found in non-metro regions. Uh, the metro ones being your, your waste out of your bin at home, of which approximate numbers are um, about 70% is biological based in some way, by the food or paper. There's about 20% that's non-biological based but still carbonaceous, and that's all those plastics that we can't recycle. Um, and about 10% of it is then glass and, and stuff that just can't be made into, into fuel because it's not, it's not carbon-based. Southern Oil has been demonstrating the capability of the technology at the Northern Oil Refinery near Gladstone. Ben says the pilot project has gone well and the company is now in the process of building a bigger facility that can process 150 tonnes of waste every day and produce 12 to 15 megalitres of refined diesel every year. With so much debate over what to do with our waste, it seems turning that waste into fuel has huge potential. This can be a really big industry for Australia. It's, it's an industry that can't leave Australia. Um, you have to deal with your own waste. And that, that's the brilliant thing about this industry. It can't be stolen away by better manufacturing techniques, like I said. Um, so not only is it a boon to Australia in the short term, it will be a continual benefit to Australia into the future, which is, as an Australian, um, a brilliant thing to hear. While Southern Oil is optimistic about the possibilities of biofuels, when we look at our long-term energy needs, it might not be quite as effective as other renewables like wind or solar. So biofuels to either generate electricity or create liquid fuels will probably continue to have a role, but it's a limited resource. This is Australia's chief scientist, Dr Alan Finkel. I mean, the amount of energy that we need to run civilization is just huge and we need our agricultural land to produce agricultural products not biofuel products people often talk about using marginal land or arid land to produce biofuels the trouble with marginal land and arid land is you just don't get a lot of yield per hectare and then you end up with a distributed energy source, which is intrinsically a low-grade energy source in any event. And so the cost of collecting it and processing it and using it becomes very high. So I'm not very optimistic about the large-scale contribution of biofuels. It can certainly make modest contributions in a variety of situations, but it won't come close to what we can get out of large deployment of solar and wind. Yeah, so biofuels have been worked on for a long time and, and certainly uh, they have a use to play, uh, particularly things like aviation. It's viewed that biofuels can be uh, a natural source for renewable aviation fuel, for example. This is the CEO of ARENA, Darren Miller. The challenge with biofuels is that for the world's requirements for energy, there's just a lack of available resources relative to generating fresh um, fuel through the hydrogen pathway, for example, longer term. So I think the issue with biofuels is one about scalability. 
and the ability for it to be a material part of the, um, the longer term emissions reduction needs. It certainly has a role to play, but it, we can't just rely on biofuels to provide what we need. While Darren says biofuels won't satisfy our global energy needs, they will play a very important role in helping displace fossil fuels. Yes, yeah, certainly biofuels uh, or using, using biomass in an efficient way and to displace fossil fuels is a really good idea. If you think about it, what you've got is two things happening. If, you, if you're not collecting organic waste and, and bio waste, then potentially that's creating methane, which in itself is a very dangerous greenhouse gas. So what you want to do is minimise the bio energy, the bio waste products turning into methane. So you need to capture that. But if you're capturing it, you may as well use the energy. And by using it, you displace fossil fuel that you would have been using to create diesel or some other uh, energy product. So it's got that double benefit from an emissions perspective. And for that alone, it's worth doing. The question is, does it get us there at a global scale? And the answer is it probably doesn't. In fact, the modelling shows we need a lot more renewable energy sources than just what biofuels can provide. So I think like many things in the space, it's not a one, uh, one thing or the other, it's both. You know, We need to move all these things forward and innovate across these different supply chains and waste streams for their own reasons. And we need, we need all of it, uh, ideally. Bioenergy is just one solution that can be integrated into existing industrial processes, but there are other ways to make the switch to renewables. One option is to simply buy renewable energy from your retailer. But many businesses want to take it a step further, and there are a lot of programs around that make the transition easier. There are many programs now supporting industrial businesses to decarbonise ranging from small and local right through to global. This is the CEO of Climateworks, Anna Skarbek. So at the local level, nearly every state government now has grant programs and investment support for industry to improve its energy efficiency, but also to already begin producing hydrogen with renewables and also to attract new businesses to regional areas to help produce renewable electricity, of course. At the global scale, ClimateWorks is involved with the Mission Possible program, which is led by the Energy Transitions Commission. And that program is looking at what's often been called the hard-to-abate sectors, heavy industry sectors, including steel, cement, plastics, freight, aviation and shipping. And so ClimateWorks is working with large industry companies in Australia to study what has already been explored overseas and how can we apply that in Australia. What the work has shown overseas, and that's now been conducted in Europe as well as in China and in India, is that thanks to improvements in technology, it's now possible for those heavy industries to chart a path to net zero emissions. And we're seeing companies now in the shipping sector, in aviation, and in steel make commitments to achieve net zero emissions for their companies by 2050, which is the goal that the scientists have set. Whichever way you look at it, renewables are increasingly going to meet our energy needs. We have to transition. And while businesses may be fearful of making the switch, the opportunity is immense. The opportunity 
for industry to move toward renewables is on many levels. There's strong consumer support for it now. Certainly at the commercial level, there's economic rationale already. Uh, I know some of the investment funds I'm associated with have seen a doubling in the rate of request for finance for commercial businesses to put renewable generation on site now. For industrial scale, real larger scale, heavy manufacturing, that requires a lot more thinking and planning and it's much more bespoke, you know, tailored to each site. So we know at the commercial scale it's economic. At industrial scale there is support and there are coalitions locally as well as globally to participate in and governments are interested in obviously maintaining the employment and the manufacturing benefits that come from industrial produce. And then the future area of opportunity is to supply Asia. So we know that many Asian economies and governments are already looking at how do they meet their own energy needs in a zero emissions world. And the consumers are increasing their demand for carbon neutral products across the spectrum from agriculture right through global supply chains and into industry. So you've got this trifecta of global demand, consumer demand, local government support and improving economics and likely future tightening of policy and financial regulators looking at asking companies to show their shareholders what strategies do they have in place to prepare uh, for climate change impacts but also to prepare for future climate change policy which asks for ultimately a net zero emissions end state. So you've got this whole combination of drivers which makes it a very opportune time now for industry to look hard at its opportunities for eliminating emissions in their supply chain and renewables is a big part of that. Of course, these heavy industrial companies are are relatively conservative. They've got complicated businesses to run complicated processes. This is Darren Miller again. So it's around getting comfort with the technologies, getting confidence by, by viewing what others have done. So a lot of what ARENA does is prove up uh, technologies that we believe work and, and that somebody's prepared to back and take a risk on. Once you implement it, you show the rest of the market what's possible and then they get the confidence to take it up on their own. So we're continually pushing the envelope in what those technologies do. The main game at that grid scale is combining technology. So how do you combine solar, wind, batteries, demand response, digitization? Once you've shown that that works, others take that up. So that's that's the style of projects that we find very interesting. Over at MSM Milling, Bob Max Smith and his team are seeing clear benefits from making the switch to renewables. And Bob is confident that other companies will be able to reap similar rewards. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we're always looking to ways to reduce our energy consumption, but in terms of how you generate the energy, I guess, is really the question. And certainly from our point of view, you know, the technology we have here is mature. It's not as if it was really... Um, you know, reinventing the wheel. What we did, I guess, was was a bit of a novel way we put the, the existing technology together in terms of the, the fuel handling, you know, the actual boiler itself, you know, the contracts with the suppliers, and also then the way it was integrated back into the plant with heat exchanges and what have you. So I guess it was really the combination of technologies, none of which in and of themselves were very risky. But, you know, combining the whole thing as one package was kind of the... The, the deal, and I think you know, I travelled overseas and spoke to you know equipment manufacturers and what have you. 
But I, I guess the fact that, you know, another business that may be interested in looking at opportunities, you know, can give us a ring and come and have a look and you can see something in your own backyard and this is what we've done and this is how it works. But the reason why there was such a significant financial opportunity, apart from the environmental benefits, the reason why the financial kind of option or appeal was so great was because of the fact that we didn't have access to natural gas. So, yeah, because of our location in this regional area, the difference between the propane butane supplied price versus the biomass supplied price was so big that that kind of helps to make the numbers work. So that was the opportunity. So I guess other kind of organisations that find themselves in that position, I guess that is a big um, incentive to, to look at the options. This season of Rewired was brought to you by ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency. We're working to support Australia's energy transition. There are many projects happening around the country that demonstrate what's possible with renewables. Since 2012, we've provided $1.4 billion in grant funding to more than 500 projects. We've now reached the end of this season, but it's not the end of the conversation. If you're interested, you can find out more about the renewable energy transition at our website, arena.gov.au. Production work for this series from the team at Lawson Media and music from Blue Dot Sessions. You can also check out the first two seasons of Rewired right now in your podcast feed. I'm Jane Ryan, and thanks for joining us on our journey into the renewable energy future. We'll speak to you again soon.